Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Top, a podcast where I read you the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade story or novel in the hopes that you will want to pick up a copy of it yourself and find out what happens. After I'm done reading it, I usually say a few quick words about what I just read for you, whether it's a question I have or something that I found interesting. Maybe you will have the same thoughts yourself. So welcome to the podcast. My name is Jake Lewis. Let's get started. For this episode, I picked out a book called The Night Diary, and this was written by Vera Hiranandani, and it won the Newbery Honor Book Award. The Newbery Award is given to young adult middle grade novels, uh, excellence in their writing and storytelling. And uh, I think it is a wonderful book, if for no other reason, is because it shows us uh, a main character and a setting that I bet a lot of us don't know about. A lot of us don't often see in books. It takes place in the year 1947. At least that's when it starts. And it takes place in India. Our main character is a 12-year-old named Nisha, N-I-S-H-A, and it is a diary, like the name suggests, the night diary. So each chapter is Nisha writing in her diary. Now, you might be saying to yourself that the last book I read on the, on the first episode, which was See You in the Cosmos, that was sort of like a diary as well. If you listen to that show, or even if you didn't, See You in the Cosmos was a, a an 11-year-old boy narrator named Alex who is recording uh, messages that he will eventually send into space, hoping that extraterrestrials, aliens, find and listen to his messages. And that's what made it a, a great choice, I think, for this podcast, because it's him recording it, and I am recording reading it to you. So in a way, that was sort of like a diary. And this one is an actual diary. Uh, I didn't plan it that way. But um, as you can see, it's an interesting approach to writing novels, something that is perhaps common with young adult novels. So I'm not going to say any more about that. I'll get right into it. Again, it's called The Night Diary by Vera Hiranandani. July 14th, 1947. Dear Mama, I know you know what happened today at 6 a.m. 12 years ago. How could you not? It was the day we came and you left. But I don't want to be sad today. I want to be happy and tell you everything. I'll start at the beginning. You probably already know what I'm telling you, but maybe you don't. Maybe you haven't been watching. I like turning 12 so much already. It's the biggest number I've ever been, but it's an easy number. Easy to say, easy to count, easy to split in half. I wonder if Emil thinks about you on this day like I do. I wonder if he likes being 12. 
We woke up at a little before seven. Emil and I usually sleep through our birth minutes, and then when we wake up, we stand next to the last mark we etched into the wall with a sharp rock. No one knows it's there. I do it for Emil, and he does mine, and then we compare how much we've grown since last year. Emil has finally caught up with me. Papa says someday Emil will tower over all of us. That's hard to imagine. Papa gave me your gold chain with a small ruby stone hanging from it. He started giving me the jewelry when I was seven. Now I have two gold bangles, two gold rings, small emerald and gold hoop earrings, and the ruby necklace. Papa said I should save the jewelry for special occasions, but lately there are none. So I wear all the jewelry at once and never take it off. I don't know where he keeps all of it, but each year on my birthday, another piece appears at my bedside in a dark blue velvet box with gold trim. When you open it, the blue satin lining winks back at you. Papa always asks for the box back after I take out the jewelry. Secretly, I want the box more than the jewelry. I want it to be all mine and never have to give it back. I could find any old thing, a pebble, a leaf, a pistachio shell, and put it in the box. Like magic, these things would get to be special at least for a day. Maybe he'll let me have it when your jewelry runs out. I want to tell you about this diary I'm writing in. Kazi gave it to me this morning, wrapped in brown paper, tied with a piece of dried grass. He never gives me gifts on my birthday. I once read an English story where a little girl got a big pink cake and presents wrapped in shiny paper and bows for her birthday. I thought about the little gifts Kazi gives us all the time. Pieces of candy under our pillow or a ripe tomato from the garden, sliced, salted, and sprinkled with chili pepper on a plate. Cake and bows must be nice, but is anything better than a perfect tomato? The diary is covered in purple and red silk, decorated with small sequins and bits of mirrored glass sewn in. The paper is rough, thick, in the color of butter. It is not lined, which I like. I've never had a diary before. When Kazi gave it to me, he said it was time to start writing things down and that I was the one to do it. He said someone needs to make a record of the things that will happen because the grown-ups will be too busy. I'm not sure what he thinks is going to happen, but I've decided I'm going to write in it every day if I can. I want to explain things to you as if I'm writing a storybook, like the Jungle Book, except without all the animals. I want to make it real so you can imagine it. I want to remember what everyone says and does, and I won't know the ending until I get there. Kazi also gave Emil five charcoal drawing pencils. Five! He also made us rice kheer with our porous. I'm not sure there's anything better tasting in the world. Emil, who normally eats too fast, makes his pudding last extra long, eating the smallest bites he can. I think he just does it, so I have to watch him long after I've finished. Every so often, he'll look up and smile. I pretend I don't care. Sometimes he saves his sweets for me, but not rice kier. 
Today we were running late though, and Emil couldn't spend forever eating his kir because Dadi took our plates away and told us to get ready. Emil started grumbling about school and how he wished he was a grown-up and could work at the hospital like Papa instead. The drums sound better at a distance, Dadi said, like she always does, and rushed us out the door. Here's another secret, and don't be mad. Emil and I didn't go to school. We headed all the way out of town to the sugarcane field and tried to walk through it like a maze. We broke off pieces to chew. Later, we stopped under a shady tree. Emil found bugs to draw, and I read. After we bought potato pecoris at the roadside cart in town, hoping no one would ask why we weren't in school. The pecoris tasted crisp and extra salty. Emil thinks they're too salty, but I like the sting on my tongue that stays long after I finished eating. Emil would rather draw and play all day instead of going to school. He would rather do anything besides school. He draws very well. Did you know that? I don't hate school, but I didn't want Emil to be alone on our birthday. When Papa finds out we didn't go to school, he'll be much angrier at Emil than he will at me. That's how it is with Papa and Emil. It hasn't always been like that. Emil used to be Papa's favorite. I think because Emil was always louder, happier, and funnier than I am. But now Emil isn't small and cute. Papa is different. When we were about seven or eight, Emil ran away. That's when it started. Papa came home from a long day at the hospital, and during dinner he told Emil to stop smiling so much that it made him look ridiculous. This only made Emil smile more. Then Papa said, Emil, you can't read. You play around too much and draw little pictures. You must be more serious or you will become nothing. Maybe I should leave, then you'll be happy, Emil said. He waited for Papa to say something, but Papa didn't. He just turned back to his food. Emil got up and walked straight out of the house. An hour went by and he didn't come back, so I went out to look for him. I looked everywhere around the garden, the shed, Kazi's and Mahit's cottages, all the places he might go. I even looked in the pantry and in Papa's closet. Papa acted like nothing was happening, but I told Kazi that I couldn't find Emil anywhere, and he told Dadi, and Dadi told Papa. So Papa went out with a lantern. I stayed awake in my bed wondering what I would do if Emil never came back. I couldn't imagine being in this house, in this life, without him. I heard Papa return, and I waited to hear Emil's voice or his footsteps, but I didn't hear anything, and I began to cry, holding my doll, D, tight. At some point, I fell asleep. When I woke at first light, Emil slept soundly in his bed next to mine. I wasn't sure if I had dreamed the whole thing. Emil, I said, poking him awake, standing over him. Where did you go? Does Papa know you're back? Papa knows I'm back, Emil said in a dull voice. I walked into town, but then I kept going. I didn't want to stop, but Papa found me. Is Papa mad? I asked. Papa will always be mad at me. It doesn't matter if I smile or don't smile. I'm just not what he wanted. That's not true, I said, and put my hand on his shoulder. 
He turned away. He might have been right about Papa, though. Since that night he ran away, Papa always seems angry at a meal for being a meal. Papa left a book on Emil's bed this morning. Normally on our birthday, he only gives me the jewelry, and we do puja at our temple and offer the gods handfuls of leaves and sweets for a prosperous year. But Papa did not talk about it this morning. Maybe we will go tomorrow. Papa doesn't like to go to temple. We only go on our birthdays in Diwali because Dadi begs us to go. Sometimes Papa walks her there and waits outside for her. I always look forward to going. I drink in the smoky smell of the lamps burning. I even like the metal taste of the holy water on my tongue. The soft sounds of the prayers being chanted and sung make me feel loved, like you're there, watching. But maybe a Hindu temple is the last place you'd be. Emil's book is beautiful. It's a thick collection of tales from the Mahabharata, with gold lettering on the cover and bright, colorful pictures inside. Emil will love the drawings, but he won't read it. Emil says he can't read right because the words jump around and change on him. Papa thinks he's lying so he doesn't have to do his schoolwork. But I know he's not. I see the way he studies the writing, his eyes squinted, his face pinched. I see how hard he tries. He even turns the book upside down sometimes, but he says nothing helps. I think it's because Emil is a little bit magical. His eyes turn everything into art. Maybe Papa thought if he brought him a really good book, Emil would read it. Papa didn't say anything about skipping school today. I hope our headmasters don't send a messenger with a note. Now I'm tired and must drink my warm milk and go to bed. Emil is already sound asleep, making little whistling sounds through his nose. I've decided that night is the best time to write to you. That way, no one will ask me questions. Love, Nisha. All right, so that's the first chapter or the first entry of Nisha's diary in the night diary. Now, one thing I like to do just to keep my thoughts organized, and maybe you do this when you're in your English class at school, I'm going to do, I didn't do this on the first episode, something called a three, two, one. And uh, what that is, if you don't know, it's three things that I liked about what I just read. And I like to start with that because I just think it's important to point out the positives. So I'm going to dedicate the three to finding three things in that chapter that I liked. And I and I try to do this even when I'm reading a book that I don't particularly enjoy. I still try to find something positive in, in what I read. Then I'm going to mention two questions that I have after reading that chapter. And hopefully they will get answered in the future. And then finally, I will say one thing that I learned. Now, this could be one thing that I learned about a character, about the plot. It could be about the setting. It could be about the author. Just something that I have taken away that I did not know before reading this chapter. So here we go. For the three things that I liked about that first chapter of The Night Diary, I like how Nisha, as the narrator, describes Emile's dyslexia. She never puts the word dyslexia on it. Maybe she doesn't know that it's called that. In 1947, I don't think they would have. 
but when she talks about how the words jump around the page and how he sometimes has to turn the book upside down to try to make sense of it, that's dyslexia, which is a pretty common uh, thing that people have. And when people talk about dyslexia or really any learning disability, I'll say, they see it as a bad thing. But Nisha here says it's like magic because as far as she sees it or understands it, it's like her brother Emil is creating a form of art. He's seeing the words as art as they move around. And I like that it gives a positive spin on something that sometimes has a negative connotation and it shouldn't. The second thing that I liked about the chapter was it gives us a nice glimpse into their culture. Talks about some of the food they eat. And by the way, if I mispronounced some of those, uh, those words, um, I apologize for that. Uh, they talk about puja, which um, I'm going to assume is some sort of religious ritual or prayer because they do that at the temple. And they even kind of walk us through how they pray at the temple. And, and I just love learning about other peoples and parts of the world. So that's something that I enjoy when I read. Then the third thing that I liked about that chapter is it raises some questions. When I read, I want to be challenged. I want to think and sort of be put to work. And sometimes questions can be very frustrating because you're reading and you want the answers right away because not knowing answers to something can be upsetting. But authors do this on purpose. One reason that authors ask questions or make you wonder about certain things and then not tell you the answer right away is because they want you to keep reading. If they told you everything right away in the first chapter, there'd be no need to keep reading. So it's a sort of suspense cliffhanger that they are doing on purpose. And if the author has done their job, then enough of the questions that they raise will be answered by the end of the book. I say enough because sometimes they won't answer every single question, but they don't need to. I always like to say, remember that in life, the real world, we don't get answers to every question that we have. So why should books be any different? But as long as enough of those loose ends are tied up, sometimes they won't answer a question because they'll want you, the reader, to kind of come up with it on your own. They don't want to give it to you. So the two questions that I have following this 3-2-1 structure from that chapter is, and, and these questions... Uh, there's two of them, but they all there's a bunch within each question. So for my first one, where did Nisha and Emil's mother go? Does anyone know? Does does Papa know? Does Emil know? It doesn't seem that Nisha knows. Is the mother alive? And why wouldn't she be found at a temple of all places? You might remember that Nisha says, sometimes I look for you at the temple when we go once a year but you wouldn't be there of all places. Maybe that's a reason why Papa doesn't like going. There's some some sort of question there about religion, maybe. So I'm interested to find out more about that and see if that question gets answered. And also, why is Papa so hard on Emil? He tells him to stop joking around, says you can't read, gets him a book, a very beautifully decorated book, that is true, for his birthday. And Nisha even admires 
the decoration of the book, but she says that it's mostly just pictures, that it's, it's not a lot of words. We also get the indication that something is about to happen, uh, that something in their society, in that part of the world, is about to happen. So if we look at 1947 India, where the story takes place, that might give you a clue. And perhaps because of that, Papa is hard on Emil because he is going to quickly have to grow up and do some quote-unquote men's work. It's interesting that Emil and Nisha are twins, but that Papa holds Emil to a much higher standard. It's not too surprising during that time, 1947, and especially in that part of the world, in that culture, men were considered and perhaps still are considered more valuable in some ways than women. And so Papa is not, you know, so worried about Nisha being a girl, but Emil, on the other hand, that worries him if Emil can't be the son that he thinks he needs. And maybe that sort of battle of the sexes is part of what caused Mama to leave. We don't know. We will find out. And then finally, one thing that I learned. Well, this is only the, the first chapter. So it in later chapters, it might be something that I asked in an earlier chapter that I, I learned now. But again, being the first chapter, I don't have anything before this. But one thing that I learned is why it's called The Night Diary, this book. She's writing it as a diary, and she does it at night where no one can bother her. So that's a small thing, but something that now makes sense in my head that I didn't know before I opened up the book. I might have been able to take an educated guess, but now I have the clear-cut answer. So that is the first chapter from The Night Diary by Vera Hiranandani, and that is spelled H-I-R-A-N-A-N-D-A-N-I. It's a Newbery Honor book, and one of the reasons, another reason of the many that I like this book is, as I said at the top of the podcast, that it gives us a glimpse, it gives us some entry into a culture that we might not be familiar with, that we might even misunderstand, perhaps. Uh, and hopefully, if the job of the book is accomplished, we might become a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more educated on another group of people in the world who we don't see a lot of uh, and sometimes we don't see in a positive light. And I think that this book does a great job of respectfully sharing uh, another culture that's not our own and educating us. So grab that book at your local library or independent bookstore. If you'd like to know more, I definitely recommend it. I definitely think it is deserving of winning the Newbery Medal uh, for that year, which, by the way, the year that it came out, I always like to take a look at the year 2018. So these past two um, books that I've read from on the first two episodes are, are recent books, but I will also dive into some older classics. So I hope you will join us 
on our next episode of From the Top. If there's anything you'd like to let me know, a comment, if you have a question for me, or even a recommendation about uh, a book that you'd like to see featured on the show, you can email it to me at fromthetopbookcast, all one word, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you uh, with anything that you'd like to share. Be sure to subscribe to this show on whichever platform you choose to listen so that you will know when the next episode drops. My name is Jake Lewis. Until next time, keep on reading, and then I will see you from the top.